I love it, the fact that some of you really don't know what's going to happen next. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh. Well, I'm, I, we're going to tell you what hap- what's going to get ready to happen here, but um, we are starting a brand new series uh, this morning called Out of the Wild. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at, at individuals in the Bible that, that had some wild and dangerous circumstances. They faced some, some wild and dangerous circumstances as they walked through life. And they, they, they were all individuals that faced obstacles in their lives that were basically unconquerable and insurmountable in their own power. So as we get into this, right now I want you to turn in your Bibles to First uh, Samuel, First Samuel chapter 17. And uh, as we're going to see over the next several weeks, each one of these individuals that we're going to talk about came to this moment of faith, a moment where they either chose to uh, tackle the enormous obstacles that they faced with, with great courage and with great faith, or they chose to shrink back in fear and they struggled through the consequences of, of distrusting God's faithfulness and his, and his power that he wanted to give them at that moment. Well, I think all of us in this room we can relate to the stories that we're going to be talking about. Now, not, not the, obviously the, the circumstances of the stories, but every one of us in this room, we've had challenges. We've faced troubles. We've faced trials. We've had giants that we've looked at. We've had obstacles that have come into our way. As a matter of fact, um, I was reminded in, in, that Jesus promised us in John sixteen thirty three that we would face troubles, that we would have trials, that we would deal with sorrows in our lives. And some of you you have a situation in your life right now that you look at and go, this is a wild circumstance. It's an obstacle that I, I just can't see my way around this. Some of you may be facing an illness uh, in your life right now. Maybe someone you know or maybe you're facing it personally. Um, over the past month or so, our staff has been dealing, among many other things, dealing with it. Uh, we, one of our, uh, our dear ladies on staff, a 42-year-old uh, Stacy Windover, who's our director of guest services, she found out about a month ago she had cancer. And um, we uh, just began to pray for her. And uh, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, she had surgery. And it uh, turned out she had cervical cancer. And uh, they, they feel like they, they were able to, to get all of it. But she's got further surgeries ahead of her. And, uh, and as of right now, they don't feel like it's spread anywhere else. But uh, she's got a long road in front of her. And so, I mean, we, you know, you look at, at, here's a 42-year-old woman who... who seemingly was healthy and all of a sudden she gets a call that she has cancer and some of you are dealing with something like that right now uh, some of you have have lost your jobs and um, you've had to rearrange uh, your lifestyle a bit and it has been a huge obstacle I mean a huge giant in your life some of you have watched your kids uh, make some foolish decisions and and uh, you're, you're watching those consequences being played out right in front of your eyes and your kids are dealing with those consequences. Some of you uh, probably know a family that somewhere in the last several years or few years or whatever has, has just been ripped apart because of some decision that was made, an, or, an immoral decision that was made, and it, it took a marriage and tore it apart. It took a family and it ripped it apart. Or maybe, maybe you've dealt with a loss in your family recently. Uh, as most of you know, uh, we unexpectedly lost a staff member this past week at Westridge. Uh, Sharon Flowers a 46-year-old woman, I mean, without any previous health issues, um, she, she just died. And uh, she left behind a husband, three children, and a lot of people that love her dearly. Matter of fact, um, a moment ago, uh, before we turned the lights up, I was hugging a young man here on this stage, and it's Sharon's son, who's here this morning serving us. 
Um, but I got to tell you, it's been, a, it's been a challenging week. At 8.30 last Sunday, I was standing right out there in that, in that circle with Amy, and we were just watching probably one of the most magnificent, magnificent uh, firework displays that I've ever seen. It was celebrating 15 years of Westridge, and, and the, the elders gave uh, me a book with just letters from all kinds of people all over the world, and just thank, thanking us and you know, celebrating with us 15 years, and and that's how we ended last Sunday night at 11.30. We just put the book down, and man, our hearts were full. And all of a sudden, at 1.30 in the morning, um, I am driving to Kennestone Hospital and uh, hearing of the, the passing of Sharon Flowers. And, and while I was driving, though, there was a verse that was going through my mind, John 16.33. And Jesus said this. He said, here on this earth, he said, you're going to have many trials. You're going to have many sorrows. But he says, take heart. Take heart, because I've overcome the world. Jesus said, I mean, in this world, we're going to have troubles. We're going to have trials. We're going to face obstacles. You're going to come up against things that are just going to seem way, way, way beyond your ability to overcome. But he says, take heart because I've overcome the world. Now, I got to tell you, I love those words, take heart. Matter of fact, I've spent time studying those words because I'm, I'm, I'm just, I want to know what they mean. And here's what, they mean to be courageous, to be bold, to be confident, not in your own strength, not in your own power, or your own ability, but when you come against the trials and the sorrows of life, instead of shrinking back, Jesus says, tackle them with all boldness and confidence because I have already overcome them. And because of the fact that I've already overcome them, you are overcomers as well. Now this morning, I want to introduce you to Goliath. Now we're going to talk in just a few moments about Goliath the man, but I want to introduce you to the idea of a Goliath. What exactly is a Goliath? Well, a Goliath is a problem that is bigger than you are. It's a situation that just seems impossible to defeat. It's a dilemma that appears to be more than you can handle in your own strength. Secondly, a Goliath laughs at you and defies your power to defeat it. A Goliath Goliath looks at you and says, you can't conquer me. You are too weak to take on the likes of me. A Goliath also has a way of forcing you to rely on God. A Goliath is a situation that is so big and so audacious and so hairy that you are forced to look at someone, to look to someone who is bigger than the situation, someone who has more power than your Goliath, than your enemy. Now, your decision on how you face your Goliath will ultimately determine the direction of your life and the kind of person that you are becoming. Because when it comes to facing your Goliath, you really have only two choices you can shrink back in fear and live a paralyzed life and i see so many people who right now are just just stuck in fear just paralyzed in their circumstances they just camp out in it or you can face your goliaths with boldness and confidence that come through relying on the power of the holy spirit in your life that only comes through an intimate relationship with jesus christ now one of the very first verses that i remember learning as a child after john 3 16 and philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 14, I mean, uh, four, verse thir- 4, verse 13 was just um, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God, gave us a sp- gave us, uh, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. Now, I want to tell you, I, again, there are so many people that I know that are paralyzed by fear. And yet, the Apostle Paul is telling Timothy that God does not give us a spirit of fear. And so if you're trapped in fear, if you're paralyzed in fear, if you are crippled in fear, you're camping out in fear, 
It's not from God. Instead, what God gives us is a spirit of power, of love, and self-control, or of a sound mind. Now, the incredible thing about being a follower of Jesus Christ is that God the Father longs to develop boldness in our lives. He's into raising up a generation who desire to follow him boldly in a fearful world. He tells us that we are more than conquerors. We're overcomers. But I want us to look for just a little, for a moment, I want us to, to, to look at what is it going to take for us to develop a bold heart? Because God wants us to look at our troubles. He wants us to look at our trials and our sorrows, and he wants to develop a bold heart inside of us. Now, in 1 Samuel chapter 17, the children of Israel are faced with a tremendous challenge. Now, their challenge wasn't necessarily a group of warriors. It wasn't a whole nation of fighting men. Their challenge came in the form of one person, one man. 1 Samuel says that Goliath the man stood nine feet nine inches tall in verse five it says he had a helmet of bronze on his head and he was armed with a coat of mail and the weight of the coat was five thousand shekels of bronze and he had bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders the shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron and his shield bear went before him In other words, the head of Goliath's spear would have weighed about 15 pounds. It would be like throwing a bowling ball at somebody. On his armor, from head to toe, was full metal. It weighed about 125 pounds. He was the undefeated, undisputed, biggest, baddest man that ever lived. He was called the champion of the Philistine army. He He had actually had another man that would walk out before him just to carry his shield. And for 40 days, the Bible tells us that Goliath came out of his tent every morning very confident, arrogant, cocky, bold. He stretched his arms back and yawned, just looking over the Israelites in their tents off and out in the distance. And he would taunt them. For 40 days, he would taunt them. Now, the obvious guy to face Goliath, the guy who probably was, was supposed to face Goliath, was the king of Israel, Saul. Saul, uh, from what we know in the Bible, was a, was a big man. He was, stood head and shoulders above the rest of the Israelites. But he wanted nothing to do with Goliath. And so... He decides to offer a compensation package to any soldier that would fight him. He tells the armies of Israel, he says, here's the deal. To any soldier in Israel, I'll give you great wealth. I'll give you tax-exempt status for the rest of your life. And I'll let you marry my daughter. And no one would take the challenge. For 40 days, Goliath would come out of his tent and he would taunt the Israelites. Nine feet, nine inches of pure, wild beast. Now, we don't know why anybody wouldn't take, I mean, you know, obviously... It's obvious. I mean, you can look and go, you know, very few people are going to take this. But, I mean, think about the package. I mean, great wealth, tax-exempt status. You get to marry my daughter. Now, we don't know if they were just struck in fear, if the girl was just downright ugly. We don't have no idea <laughs> why would no one would take the challenge. But meanwhile, about 10 to 15 miles away, in a little village, there's a guy by the name of David. And what you need to understand is that David's already been anointed to be the next king of Israel, but Saul was on the throne. And my homework assignment to you this week is for you to go back and to read through that story um, to figure out what's going on until we get to this point in the story. But here's David. David's a shepherd by trade. He took care of sheep. David was also the youngest of eight sons. And one day his father Jesse comes to him and he says, you have three brothers who are on the battlefront. I want you to take some food. I want you to give it to your brothers. And I want you to also give some to the commanding officers. And in verse 20, it says, So the next morning, David takes off to meet his brothers in the valley of Elah. Now, 
If we were watching a made-for-TV movie, at, at, at this point, this would be a great moment to take a commercial break. Because it's the place in the story where everything just really begins to get interesting. The story is beginning to heat up. You can tell something is, exciting is about to happen. And since we're talking about developing a bold heart this morning and we're stuck in this commercial moment while, where you're just assuming that David is walking towards the valley of Elah to meet up with his brothers and the rest of the Israelite army, I think I need to mention something important about David and this story. And here it is. It takes time to develop a bold heart. I think all of us would like to think that when we're confronted with our big Goliath moment that somehow out of the blue... We're just going to have boldness in our, in, in, in our lives. I mean, boldness is just going to overcome us to take it on, and, but that's just not always the case. The fact is, if you wait until you're facing your Goliath to try to get bold, chances are you're going to fail. Because boldness is something that has to be developed in our lives. So how do you develop a bold heart? Well, first thing is you have to... You develop a bold heart in the everyday challenges of life. Now, I want you to think about David for a moment. All of those years that David was guarding those sheep, God was developing inside of him a heart of boldness. Now, I want to do something that is, um, pastors don't typically do, kind of violating the rules of, of preaching here, but I want to jump forward in the story uh, in just, just a little bit. I think all of you know that David does fight Goliath, right? And if you're surprised by that, welcome to Westridge. We are seriously glad you're here. I mean, I love it when people come in here and they don't know this story. Truly, I mean, it's like awesome, all right? But um, in verse 34, David's standing before Saul and, and the king, okay? And he is, he is explaining to him why he's ready to fight Goliath. And he says in verse 34, okay, jump ahead, he says, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And then when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and I struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. But if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be, shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Now, most of the time when you hear the story, nothing is really ever mentioned about David's earlier conquests with a lion and a bear. And, and those aren't small tasks by any means, all right? But there's something significant that needs to be pointed out here. Now, in verse 37, as, as David is talking to Saul, notice he doesn't say, you know, I learned that in my own strength or I learned in my own sufficiency how to defeat lions and bears. Instead, what he says is, I've learned that God, that God who delivered me from lions and bears will deliver me from this challenge as well. David says, I learned that. I experienced it firsthand. You see, you can read that God is faithful in a thousand different books, including the Bible, and you can have me stand up here week after week and say it to you, but it will never become a real reality in your life until you test it out in real life. Because there are lion and bear type situations that come against you and your little flock of sheep all of the time. And every time it happens, you have a decision to make. You can either run and you can hide, or you can choose not to deal with it and pretend like it's all just going to go away, or with God's help, you can go after that bear, you can take on that lion. See, because every time you do that, every time you face those fears, the little Goliaths of life, you get a little bolder. And I want to challenge some of you parents, because I know some of you in this room right now, you've got some behavioral issues going on at home with, with your kids. And you know it was gonna t it's going to take time. You know it's going to take you digging in. You know it's going to be tough. It's going to take energy from you to tackle it. 
And there's a part of you that just doesn't want to deal with it. In your mind, if you, you just, we're not, I'm just going to pretend it's not there because if I do, it'll just go away and fix itself. And we know that doesn't happen. It's going to take some boldness that you don't have, some courage that you don't have to jump in there and to tackle that parenting issue. And I can't tell you how many times I watch even now parents who refuse to deal with issues like this. Trust me, you're going to deal with it sooner or later. You could just walk away, you could ignore it, or you could just say, with God's help, I'm going to tackle that bear. I'm going to tackle that lion. And I want you to know, as you do, your heart's going to get a little, little bolder each time. Maybe it's a situation at work, a situation with a coworker, a situation with your boss or something. And you can run and you can say, you know, I'm just not going to deal with it. Or with God's help, you can just say, I'm going to go after that lion. It was the everyday challenges out in the pasture when no one else was watching, that David was, was, God was developing a bold heart, a heart of boldness inside of David. See, without facing the everyday challenges and the troubles, when it came to actually facing Goliath, I mean, he made a, may have just run away like everyone else, but, that's, but he didn't do that. He, he took on the everyday challenges, the lions, the bears, and through all of it, he found that God was faithful. And that's the very first way that we, we develop a heart of boldness, a bold heart. You've got to face the challenges of everyday life. If you run, you're going to lose heart. If you face them and you take heart, God will continue to make you stronger and to make you bolder. Now, let's come back from our commercial break for just a moment. Back to the story. How else do you develop a heart of bold? You develop a heart, a bold heart in the face of criticism and opposition. Back to real time, verse 26. David comes out onto the battlefield. He's bringing food, remember, to his brothers, to the, to, to, to the officers in the army. And he looks over and he sees Goliath. And he asks those who are standing around, look at verse 26. He says, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Verse 28. Now, Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart. You have come down to see the battle. Now, Eliab's taken some pretty, pretty uh, cheap shots here at David. Remember, David, David's been sent by his father. He didn't come on his own. Why, so why is Eliab treating David so poorly? Well, I think for Eliab and his other brothers and probably every other man that was out there, Goliath dominated their world. They suffered from a Goliath complex. Every day, Goliath came out of his tent, and he offered a challenge. And every day, as Eliab and the others heard it, they just withered in fear. Every day that they didn't respond, every day that he didn't respond, Eliab just felt more and more like a coward than he did the day before. Eliab didn't mind being with his, with his other brothers who were there with him because they were all in the same boat. Everybody was being a coward. But when David come along, came along, the youngest brother, it made him feel like a coward. Here's, here's big brother shrinking back in fear in front of his little brother. It exposed the coward in, in him. Little David walks into camp and goes, hey, guys, who's the big ugly guy across the way taunting the Lord's army? Is anybody going to do anything about this? And when David said that, I believe Eliab felt ashamed. Fear caused him to get angry with David. And you know, I want you to know, fear has a way of doing that. If you shrink back before a Goliath, if you cower before Goliath long enough, it will eat away at your heart. It will wear you down. 
And once it's exposed or someone else comes along with, with more boldness and more courage than you, then it just makes you feel terrible inside. And many times what we'll do is we will lash out an anger or resentment towards that person because it's just eating away at our soul. And Goliath was killing Iliab one day at a time. And, and so when David comes along, he just unjustly lashes out at David. And I want you to see how David responds to this. In verse 29, And David just said, What have I done now? Obviously, there's been a problem here before. I mean, what have I done now? Was it not just but a word? So he turned away from him towards another, and he spoke in the same way, and the people answered him again as before. Now, David could have gotten derailed here by his big big brother's criticism, but but he didn't. I mean, he, he doesn't argue with Eliab. He just turns to someone else to get his information. He doesn't allow this whole scenario to get him sidetracked. He doesn't allow unfair criticism to have power over him. And because of that, he just gets a little bolder. Now I want to ask you a question this morning. How many of you, just over the last year, maybe the last month or even the last week, you have just, you've, you've faced criticism or you've faced some opposition? How do you handle that when that happens to you? How do you, how do you receive that? See, because criticism kind of falls into two categories. It either is accurate or it's inaccurate. I mean, if, if it's, interac- if it's interac- inaccurate, what do we do? We blow it off and we move on. But if it's accurate, we dig in and we fix the problem. We make some tweaks and adjustments and we get on with it. But don't allow it to cause you to lose heart. I mean, how many people do we know in life that, that, that they, they face their Goliath, they're ready to tackle their Goliath and someone criticizes them? Or, or they oppose the plan that, they, that, they've chosen to, that they've chosen to tackle the Goliath with and instead of really going for it, they shrink back in fear. See, people are always going to be threatened by your boldness. People who are fearful are always threatened by other people who have courage because it, it, it exposes their weakness, it exposes their insecurities. And at moments like this, you can, you can lose heart and you can give up and spend the rest of your life wondering what would have happened if you would have just only taken on that fight, fought that battle, or you can ignore your critics, you can ignore the opposition, and you can face your Goliaths head on. Third thing is you, you develop a bold heart when you resist the pressure to conform. Now, Saul hears about this. King Saul hears about what's going on in the battlefield, and he has David brought before him. He says, Dave, I want you to bring David to me. And he, um, he says, David, what in the world are you thinking? And David says to him, let no man's heart fail because of him, Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with the Phil- this Philistine. Saul looks at David, you know, you just got to understand the moment. I mean, he says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. He's been a man of war from his youth. Now, this is a key moment in this story because here's David standing before the king, the most powerful individual in the world, and the king's just told him that he can't fight Goliath. He can't fight him because he's too young. He can't fight him because he doesn't have what it takes. He doesn't have enough experience. It's pressure to conform. And David begins to tell him the lion and the bear story. And he convinces him to let him fight Goliath. Now, in verse 38, it gets a little bit humorous. Saul dresses David in his best coat of armor. He puts his bronze helmet on his head. He throws his own sword over his tunic, and David begins to walk around. I mean, here's this little guy walking around. He's got this bigger man's, you know, suit on. I mean, if Saul was a 52 long, David was a 32 short. I mean, he's walking around. It's like this, it's just overwhelming him. 
Saul's pressuring David to be like him, to dress like him, to act like he would act if he had the courage to fight Goliath himself. But David refuses to wear Saul's armor. And I want you to know, it would have been very easy at this moment. Think about standing in front of the king. It would have been easy at this moment for David to conform, to walk out of Saul's presence with all of that gigantic battle gear on. But David knew something important. He knew himself. He knew his enemy, and he knew his God. And he knew that when he went out to face Goliath, it was just going to be him, Goliath, and God. Saul wasn't going to be out there with him. His brothers weren't, certainly weren't going to be out there with him. And his father, Jesse, wasn't going to be out there with him. If David would have listened to Saul's counsel, if he would have put on that battle gear, it would have kept him from relying on God when the time came to fight Goliath. It would have turned David into a miniature Saul. And David wasn't called to be a Saul. Now I want you to know this morning that one of the biggest Goliaths you're going to face in this life, especially for those of you who are students this morning, is the pressure to conform to the world around you. The world around you is going to try to convince you with everything it has, it's going to try to squeeze you into its mold. But God longs for bold, fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ who refuse to be squeezed into the world's mold. Matter of fact, he says, God says in 2 Corinthians Chronicles chapter 2.19 that his eyes are looking, they're searching all over the earth. The Bible says to and fro, looking to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Don't give in to the pressures of this world. Don't conform to the, the, the image of this world. Your battles and how you fight them are immensely important to God. And he promises to strengthen us with his power when we're bold enough to put our trust in him and to follow him and to not give in to the pressures that the world puts in front of us. And then, number four, you develop a bold heart in the great crisis moments of life. Now, David is finally standing before Goliath. Nine feet, nine inches. And the Philistine, it says in verse 41, and the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bare in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his, by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Now what's going on here? Goliath is trash-talking David. Not only that, but he's trash-talking David's God. David's never been on a battlefield. Here he is staring at a nine foot nine inch man by the name of Goliath and I want you to look at what he says and I love this verse 45 then David said to the Philistine you come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel with whom you have defied and this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and I will cut off your head and I will give you the dead bodies of the host of the Philistine this day to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Now if you're not clapping right now, come on, something's wrong. I don't know if you need a fruit smoothie to wake you up, a med. I don't know what you need. Come on. Can you imagine what Goliath must be thinking? He's never faced anyone who's been able to even come close to defeating him. And here's this little dude standing in front of him who's never fought in a war. 
Who does this little, red-faced, skinny, no armor, no sword, no experience, no javelin, no spear, no knife, slingshot throwing, God of Israel, talking kid think he's talking to here? One stone and it was over. Bam, it was done. Right between the eyes. Goliath never expected it. Didn't know what hit him. And after Goliath hit the ground, David walked over, took out Goliath's sword out of its sheath, and he chopped his head off. Now, I don't know what kind of Goliath you're facing this morning. I don't know what your Goliath is, but I will tell you this. We all have them. Every one of you. I have them, you have them. Maybe it's a failure in life. Maybe it's a parent that somewhere along the way told you all of your life that you were worthless and you'd never amount to anything. Maybe someone else had just looked at you at some point in your life and said, you will never amount to anything in this world. Maybe it's a step of faith that you've been afraid to take. Maybe it's an illness that's staring you in the face. I don't know what your Goliath is, but I do know this. If you let your Goliath, whatever your Goliath is, continue to intimidate you, if you let it convince you that you're helpless and hopeless, if you run away every day like the Israelites did, you're going to die a little every day day you're going to lose heart and life's too precious for that life's too precious for that your battle's too important for you not to go down that road i know listen i know that if you will take heart this morning and if you will face your goliath with one small stone and confidence in 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 your god your goliath doesn't stand a chance because one small stone in the power of god's hands is more powerful and stronger than anything that this world anything that this life can throw against you now, I want you to know something. I, mean, I want you to know why this is such a great story. And I don't want you to miss this. Because I want you to hear what this story is really about. We get, when we hear this story, we think, of, you know, we think of David, and we think of a slingshot, and five stones, and all it took was one. We think of this big guy. We, I want to read these to you again. Verse 45. David says, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you. I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Verse 47, he says, And that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves, not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. See, this story is not about David's raw courage. It's not about his ability to sling a stone or even his ability to take a risk. And this is not about you either. This is not about your faith it's not about your bulk this story is about god this story is this is a this is the story of your life this the story of your life is not about being bolder it's or taking more risks or learning how to use a slingshot it's a story about god and the power that god wants to unleash in your life in the midst of your own battle so what does it take what does it take for you this morning to defeat a goliath one smooth stone one bold moment of confidence in God one moment of faith the Bible says all it takes is just if we have the faith of a mustard seed we'll be able to move mountains and I want you to know that God is still into the business of delivering bold hearted Davids from giant Goliaths and I don't know how big your Goliath is this morning but I guarantee you this he's not bigger than your God And Jesus said, you're going to have troubles. You're going to deal with trials. You're going to have sorrows. We shouldn't be surprised when they happen. 
even though they do catch us off guard. This past week, I'm telling you, it caught us completely off guard. But I do know this. Jesus said, take heart, because I've overcome everything that you're going to face. And because of that, you, yourselves, are overcomers. And so I want to challenge you right now to commit yourself this week to live with bold confidence in God. Keep reminding yourself over and over that all it takes is one small, smooth stone of faith and one moment of confidence in God because all of that is, is quite enough to handle any Goliath that the world may throw your way. I want us to bow our heads for a moment. I'm just curious, how many of you in here this morning, you, you, are, you have a Goliath in your life right now? Something that's just wearing you out, something you're facing that maybe has you paralyzed in fear, you're just stuck here, you're just looking at it and you're just struggling. Would you just raise your hand? Man, so many of you. So many of you. I want to pray for you right now. And as I'm praying for you, I want you to ask God to give you strength, to draw you closer to Him so that you may find your boldness and your courage in him alone because that's the only place you're going to find it. Your Goliath is way too big without the God of the world standing behind you, empowering you, strengthening you. So Lord, you saw the hands, you know the hearts. You know our Goliath. You know him by name. You know the obstacle in front of us, that big, hairy, audacious thing that we stand, we're staring at. You know what we're facing. And some of us have yet to know your power. Would you help us to be bold enough this week to allow you to unleash your power in our lives? How does that happen? We need to trust you. Faith. Faith moves mountains. The Bible says without faith, it's impossible to please God. And the Bible says you're looking, you're searching for hearts that are committed to you so that you may strengthen them. Lord, may we trust in you this week. May we put our faith completely in Jesus this week. May we take heart and believe you with full confidence that you have truly overcome the world. May we understand that because of that, we are more than overcomers, more than conquerors in Jesus. If you're here this morning, you've never put your faith in the one that has overcome the world. Take heart. I want to encourage you to have a little boldness and courage right now. I want to encourage you at this very moment to confess before the Lord that you are helpless and hopeless without Him. That you are lost without God. That you're lost without Jesus. Your sin has separated you from God. And because of that, you need forgiveness in your life. And the only way that's going to happen is for you at this very moment to confess that Jesus is Lord and that what He's done on the cross is enough to pay for all of your sins and repent of that sin and to trust Him to save you you want to do that right now, just pray in your heart. Say, Lord Jesus, at this moment, I put my faith in the one who's overcome the world. By faith, I come to you, and I want you to know that I'm sorry for my sin. I repent of it. And I ask you to be my Savior. Be the rescuer of my soul. I need salvation, and I can't do it on my own. Lord, I've tried. I can't do it. And so this morning, I take every bit of faith and every bit of trust and I put it in you. And I put it on what Jesus has done for me on the cross. And I ask for your forgiveness. 
And God, I receive you, I receive salvation into my life at this very moment. If you just prayed that prayer with head still bowed, I want to ask you to do me a favor. Take out the worship guide that you were, you were handed as you came through the door. Give us your name. Write down your info. Check the box. It says, this morning I prayed to receive Jesus Christ to be my personal Savior. Would you let us know that you've done that? We want to help you to get started on this life change journey of becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus. But Lord, for the rest of us, may we walk with bold confidence this week. May we take heart knowing that you have overcome everything that we're going to face. Illness, death, job loss, a family situation, a crisis moment. Because you have overcome them, we, as your followers, as your children, we are overcomers or conquerors. May we walk in that today, in Jesus' name.